Hey everyone, and welcome to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, and I'm the host and founder of this show. A very, very warm welcome to you. Firstly, as you can tell, I'm a little under the weather today, so I'm going to do my best to make this podcast as smooth as I can possibly make it, given the fact that obviously I'm a little congested and I have a little bit of a cold. But let's get to the podcast itself. Before I say anything about today's episode, let me just give a big shout out to my sponsor, Atama Kimonos Europe, who makes some of the most amazing training kimonos. You can find them at atamaeurope.com. For more information on myself, you can find me on all social media platforms with the handle at EKBJJ. So welcome to this episode, which will be episode 22, I believe. And I'm so happy to have have been recording for the last few months now. And I'm getting really, really good feedback, really positive feedback on the message that I'm sharing and the whole point of my podcast is not to be the next Joe Rogan or not to be um, talking about all these different things but mainly to focus completely on jujitsu and my journey and my experience and how it can benefit you or share or how I can share my knowledge to make your journey that little bit easier when it comes to your jujitsu journey. So, today's episode, I'd like to talk about how the it, there is an issue with asking higher belts to roll. Now, some of you may, may not know about this issue or may have never heard about this issue. But for me, it's, it's always been there. It's always been something I'm mindful of. And it's always been something that has been instilled in me since my early time in training jiu-jitsu. Now, my journey began back in 1997. I made my first trip to Brazil and I took my first lessons over in Brazil. During that time, there was this hierarchy positioning within jiu-jitsu. Now, whatever people think about that, it can be right or it can be wrong. But for me, I'm going to share my experience and how it affected me then and how I changed that way of thinking and that process of thinking in some ways for it to be beneficial for the students of today. So back in 1997, I was a white belt. I went over to an academy in Brazil and began training. They only allowed the white belts to train with the white belts. You wasn't allowed to change and train with color belts. It was white belts only, blues, purples, browns, and blacks everywhere else. So I began my journey training, training, training with the white belts. And eventually I was allowed to train with all of the color belts, which to me was a massive step because I believe if you want to get better at jujitsu, you have to find the best people to train with. And, well, not the best people, but you have to find the right people. And the right people are determined by your thought process, your goals, and and what you want to get out of of training. So I was able to train with 
a lot of the color belts there and for the first year I would say it was being tapped left and right and one day I was taken to the side and, and shown a technique that I hadn't seen before which was a which was a footlock now back then footlocks were frowned upon you know I remember seeing some of the tournaments and when the jiu-jitsu guys would go after the footlocks the crowd would boo they would literally boo at them and of course I learned the footlock in the academy and during a sparring session one day I was training with a with a black belt and during that role I went after his foot he didn't say anything to me but what he did was he stopped and literally slapped me straight in the face from then on I one realized not to do footlocks on people and more than that I realized that there was a hierarchy position within jiu-jitsu beyond training with white belts and blue belts but when you train with black belts you have to have maximum respect there's a certain way you can ask them to train in fact it was frowned upon back then to ask them to train you couldn't go up to a black belt and say hey do you want to train less raw because back then they would see that as a challenge and you just didn't want to challenge those guys then. Brazilians are naturally very proud people, especially in the jiu-jitsu community. And they're very, um, they have this hierarchy position within jiu-jitsu, which is absolutely fine. But back then it was very different. If you asked them to roll, it was almost a roll to the death. So I was pulled aside by the instructors and told very clearly, don't ask the black belts to roll. Don't ask a higher belt to roll. Be respectful don't be disrespectful well sure enough after that i i left that school and uh, moved over to the school which i've remained at for the past 24 and a half 25 years and very very different way of teaching very way of very different way of learning so <coughs> fast forward to my own academy and where i have many black belts there I believe there's seven of us on the mat which train one of the black belts well a couple of them but one in particular is 60 years old now when you ask someone to roll there is a specific way that i feel that you can ask you know when people ask me to roll roll with anyone and i mean i'll roll with anyone as long as i don't feel that they're they're trying to roll for their own selfish reasons and not for getting better, where, where they feel they want to challenge themselves. Now, I'm quite a small black belt. I weigh about 75 kilos and uh, I'm not very big. So if, if an athlete comes into the gym, for example, Darren Stewart, who was a UFC fighter, professional MMA fighter for a very, very long time, um, who now fights at Cage Warriors, asked me to roll. I know I'm in safe hands because he understands my position. I teach privates every day. I teach group classes every day, not just one, sometimes four group classes a day, six days a week. And that's my life. That's how I make money. That's how I pay for my mortgage. So 
anyone who rolls in any detrimental way with me, I'll, I will not roll with them anymore. I'll stop the, the, the sparring and, and leave it at that. Sometimes I go off around the country, around the world, teaching seminars. And when you go there, of course, there's an onus when people see the black belt. They want to see what the black belt can do. They want to see how they fare up against that black belt. But what people fail to understand is that that black belt is a professional teacher. You know, he's not just here to teach you. He's here to teach everyone and train with everyone. Now, I, I personally don't have <coughs> an issue training with anyone. Absolutely no one. I, I don't feel any way if they come and ask me, can we roll? And I, I honestly don't feel a way of, of telling those students, hey, I don't feel like rolling right now because I just taught four privates and a group class and I have an evening class. And I also have other students that, that I like to roll with, that I like to train with, that I wanna keep my training in good stead and, and get better myself. Now I understand that those lower belts may wanna get better, but those lower belts also have to understand that when you roll with people, you cannot disrespect them. You cannot use them as a hammer all the time. Now I have a huge amount of students in my school and I honestly don't have time to roll with every one of them. So <coughs> some days I'll roll with the students in the afternoon. Some days I'll roll with the students in the evening and I'll try and chop and change. Sometimes I'll only roll with the black belts. Now I'm very selective with the students that I roll with because of the reasons that I've listed above. But there are some students who I almost see as want to challenge you when they roll as a black belt or as a higher belt, not just a black belt. It could be a blue belt and a brown belt. And the student always comes and says every day, let's roll, let's roll. And every time you roll with them, it's a proving ground. They want to hammer you, they want to smash you. And, it, and if you don't tap them, they feel, oh yeah, you know, he couldn't tap me or, or she couldn't tap me. And we'll talk about female um, color belts in a second. To some degree, there's, there has to be an understanding. For me personally, I'm later in my years now. If I get injured, not only does it take me a few weeks to recover or, a few, or much longer, but it also has an adverse effect on every student that visits my school. To the students that are there when I can't demo stuff. To <coughs> the other black belts that I cannot train with to help them and grow them and all the students in fact. So I'm very, very selective when I train and I'm very selective with whom I train with, but that's my own opinion. Now, if you take for example, our 60 year old black belt, he's a lot bigger than I am, a lot heavier than I am, and he will roll with most people. But I always tell him, man, be careful who you roll with, choose your training partners very carefully because we're no longer here to be a competitor. I haven't been a competitor for years. My last competition was 10 years ago, I believe. Doesn't motivate me. The kids that are coming through, they train more often than I do. You know, you can have a, a blue belt who spends every single day on the mat, every day, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. He's taking classes, training, 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 training. By the time the kid is a purple belt or a brown belt, he's gonna be dangerous. You know, not only is he going to be dangerous, but this guy can do a lot of damage because 
of that selfish nature. Now, for me, I'm at a stage where me and the other black belts, especially the senior black belts, where we want to have longevity. We want to be on the mat a lot longer. We want to enjoy the rest of the time we have training jujitsu, teaching jujitsu, spreading the knowledge of jujitsu. If you look at all the greats, I'll give you an example, Hoyler, for example, Hoyler Gracie, my instructor. When he teaches seminars, he doesn't spar. And I asked him and I said, Hoyler, you know, do you spar in the seminars? And he said, not anymore. And the reason is, if I teach 10 seminars <coughs> and on seminar three, a young guy who has something to prove tries to train with me, we exchange and I injure my back, I can't do the rest of those seminars. I lose money. Who's gonna support that? That's my income. Who's gonna support me with that? And you know, he's absolutely right. It's a very, very intelligent way to look at things. If we go a stage to the side of that, female black belts, you know, how do you approach a female black belt to train with her? Well, firstly, she has to be confident and comfortable that training is your motive that you want to train with her and you want to learn because when you spar i consider this an exchange of knowledge without speaking we're going to learn and we're going to grow together it's not going to be me beating you up or you beating me up it's, it's not going to be that so with the female female uh, training partners you have to be very very careful how you approach them so we come to a point where then, well, how do we approach? What's the right way? What's the correct way where we can go to someone and say, can I train with you? And I always say this, if you want to train with a higher belt and you want to learn from that training environment, you go to them and you say, listen, I'd really like to, to, to train with you. You know, I haven't trained with you. And if you have some time, can we train? Now, if the black belt, male, female, or higher belt says to you, absolutely, let's train. Don't disrespect them and then try to show how good you are. Don't try to beat them up. Of course, don't be placid and, you know, have some kind of respect when you train with them, given the age, given the weight difference, if any, and also given the fact that they're loaning you their body to train with, okay? Um... Four of my black belts in my academy are over 50 years old. One of them is a, uh, is a recording artist. He's not over 50, but he's on stage every night. He's actually the lead character in The Lion King in London. His name's Sean Escoffrey. So he's a singer, songwriter, and he's also an actor. Now, <clears throat> if he got injured, that means he's out of work. That sucks. Okay, so you have to treat with respect when you're training with these people. For example, um, the youngest black belt in my academy, he will train with everyone and they can go, no problem. They'll, they'll throw each other around and, and that's absolutely fine. Again, he's very young and he likes to train in that manner. So not only when you train with that individual, are you showing respect? But you have to be able to gauge, you know. I always say this, 20% of the, 
or 2% an increase of pressure is relative to that training partner. If your training partner is six foot one, 110 kilos, and you're 55 kilos soaking wet, that 2% will be massive. Now, even in my own academy, I know the students which have a little bit of an ego. I know the students who just want to prove something. And those students, I'll never really give them that time to injure me or, or to, to injure one of my guys. But I'll always take the time to speak with them and try to educate them and say, man, listen, if you want to get better, your training partner here and your training team are here to help you. If you break them, they cannot help you and you cannot get better here. The flip side to everything I'm saying is this. As an instructor, if I get injured, the community is very fickle. The jiu-jitsu community is very fickle. They will go and find another school tomorrow and they will not care, especially the ones with the ego. They will not care, you know. They'll try and prove a point, they'll go somewhere else and, and this will keep happening until they get injured and they're off the mat. Or we nip it in the bud early and we speak to them, we sit down and we say to them, listen, if you want to train for a long period of time and if you really want to get good and understand jiu-jitsu, these are the things you should be doing. It's very, very difficult when you talk about egos because anyone you talk to doesn't have an ego. They don't have an ego. But egos are alive and well and they live not just in my academy but in many other academies. I do, I believe, a good job of not letting those, uh, those egos come into the academy or sifting through them. A lot of my students have been with me a very, very long time and the ones that join us tend to stay for a very long time too. So, <coughs> guys, this is just a thought for today. As you can hear, as I said, I'm a little under the weather at the moment, but I didn't want to not do a podcast. I didn't want to not do an episode for you guys. It's a very short episode and see it as more of a snippet as a tip than anything else that you should protect yourself, you should protect your training partners, and for sure, you should protect the people that are teaching you in that academy. You must do that. If you don't, you're gonna end up injuring someone or injuring yourself. Some, some people, like I said, will take the old school guys. Myself, I'm considered old school because of the amount of time I've been training, but I don't have that old school mentality when it comes to lower belts asking the higher belts if they can train with them. In fact, I do encourage that. I do think if they want to get better, that's a really unique way for them to get better. They, they get the experience and exposure of, of higher belts, people with more knowledge, people with um, better timing, better skills, and they can grow much quicker in that environment. And in turn, we create better jujitsu uh, practitioners. On the flip side, those same practitioners have to understand what is relative in that, in that training environment. Again, how do you ask? Or you be polite. You make sure you know that person before you go and ask them. By knowing them, if you spend eight weeks, ten weeks in the academy, someone will know you. They'll know your mentality because other people will say, hey, he's a really nice guy to roll with. She's a really good girl when she rolls. Um, this guy, even though he's a big guy, he can manage his weight. Or this guy's not clumsy. So all of this stuff is really important. That when you're meeting people for the first time, that you don't um, 
just get on the mat and train with them. I have visitors in my academy from all over the world. People fly in, elite guys come in, elite fighters come in. And my body and my, my heart says, let's go, let's go train. But my mind says, listen, Ed, be careful. Because if you injure yourself, it's gonna take a while to recover, or it might be the end of what you're trying to achieve here. So always, always, always be respectful, be careful, and be in tune with how relative you are with other people. With that said, guys, for today, just a short podcast I could not do one because I like to stick to my word. I like to be a person who does what they say and says what they does. Um, so very short podcast. I hope you're going to enjoy. I hope you draw something from it. If you do, share it, subscribe to our channel, and of course, leave us a review. If you have any comments or questions, shoot them at me on Instagram. I'm very, very happy for the people that are messaging me on Instagram. And once I'm over this, this cold, this small virus, <coughs> I'll come back and I'll do a, a long podcast for you guys. Send me some ideas on subjects, speak to me. I'm always open to share experience. And if I haven't had that experience, I'll tell you I haven't had that experience. And uh, let's take it from there. Until next time, guys. Thank you. Be safe.